Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and you know my passion is to help you as dads become heroes, which makes this my joy week after week to bring you relevant topics that support that goal. I probably don't even need to review the template, but here it is in case you're a new listener, is each week I use On Your Mark, Get Set, Go, where I want you to envision yourselves as fathers standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. I'm on the side as your coach, cheering you on, saying, On Your Mark, that's the topic and the theme. Get set as I'm going to fill that in with stories and stats, and Go is always your practical action step that you can put into motion this week to let your daughters and your sons know that you love them. Well, today on your mark, I'm calling this How to Talk with Your Daughter About Suicide. Clearly, this is a heavy topic. So now as I'm filling that in, I want to just say here at the onset that because there are so many recent stories of suicide, not only with celebrities, but I even think in our own area, wherever that might be that you're living while you're listening to this, you are hearing about suicides. There's been such an increase, and I'm going to give you some statistics in a little bit, but I really felt pressed that this was the time to talk about this, and I recently wrote a blog about it as well. So you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com, where much of the content today will be in writing, so that if you want to print it out or share it with your daughters, you've got it. You can even read over it as well. Well, I want to start by just inviting you to imagine that you're in my counseling office with me. We're sitting there as a 17-year-old girl comes in, and this is the conversation that you would have heard had you been sitting there with me that day. Here's what she said right out of the gate. She says, how could it be that she could do this when everything was going for her? She said, it honestly makes no sense that she would end her life because she has a global empire and she actually just launched her new clothing line today. She really emphasized that. Like, why today? Because everything's going well for her, it would seem today. Then she said, look here. And she starts pulling out her wallet, her sunglasses case, even showing me her backpack and says, look, I've got Kate Spade written on everything that I own. I love her stuff. Then she ended by saying, now you remember, she's the reason that I want to go into fashion, right? And I'm telling you, my heart was aching with her as I just heard her broken and confused heart trying to make sense of the tragedy that had just happened that day as news was released around the world that Kate Spade that morning had hung herself in her apartment in New York City. And here we are having a conversation 3,000 miles away from that tragic epicenter, but the truth is that my client was sitting there feeling this personally as if she'd lost a close friend. And beyond that, neither of us had any idea that only three days later, we would grieve another tragic suicide by hanging, that of Anthony Bourdain, and you probably have already heard about that, but we know he was an internationally acclaimed celebrity chef and television host. And then as if these tragic deaths aren't devastating enough, the story for me took even a more heart-wrenching turn when I learned that both of them were leaving behind young daughters, 13-year-old Frances Beatrix Spade and then 11-year-old Ariane Bourdain. So now one, Frances, will be raised solely by a widow or father, while the other one will grow up without the loving guidance of her adored dad. And here's what I want to say. If this is all you hear me say today, this is really my summary statement, which is 
all I can say is that two suicides in a row are two suicides too many. As you can imagine, I have had similar conversations in my counseling office in recent days and months and weeks even because this has risen, I would say, to some epidemic levels, this whole idea of suicide. And this conversation around what does this mean? I don't get it. Why did they not have support? I mean, even one of my clients said, okay, if even those celebrities with all the resources in the world can't stay alive with their suicidal urges, how am I supposed to be able to do that? I mean, that is a really powerful question to be asked. I mean, even ask yourself as a dad, what would you say if your daughter, who is struggling perhaps with mental health issues, emotional health issues, came to you and said, dad, I don't know how to stay alive when even those with more support aren't making it, right? I recently heard a quote by Dr. Margot Main that really captures it best. She said, statistics are people with the tears wiped away. Did you catch that? Statistics are people with the tears wiped away. What I love about her poignant way of saying that is that there's a human reality behind the numbers. I believe that that shocking fact is underscored with this statistic presented by the CDC recently, where they report that suicide rates have increased in the U.S. by 25% just in the last two decades. And according to Dr. Christine Motier, Chief Medical Officer of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention recently stated that 55% of our population has been touched in some way by suicide, whether it's their own lived experience of surviving their own suicide attempt or a family member or a friend who has struggled or taken their life. So it's the majority of the population that is dealing with this. And yet so many people feel that they'll either be judged or criticized, or condemned, or misunderstood if they tell their story. I've heard it said that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And true as that is, what I want to say is that when someone has suffered for many years, the enduring pain doesn't necessarily feel temporary. Consequently, these individuals that are struggling with physical or mental torment for long periods of time genuinely are often just wanting their pain to end. Now, the truth, you guys, is I have not shared a lot publicly about my mental health struggles, though I can tell you God is beginning to open more doors. And even here today, I want to share a bit vulnerably about my own experiences with mental health struggles so that you can know that there's hope on the other side. I would not be here today had Jesus not brought healing into my own life and my own story. And I think we all connect with stories when we know that someone has lived through it. So here's the deal. I have lived with many years of internal distress, much of it through my teens, late teens, early 20s, and even into my 30s. In fact, it was that that drove me to a counselor's office because I would say it as I was such a wreck inside. That was my words for it. So that internal distress that I lived with that was locked inside of me until I finally called a counselor and said, you have got to help me. And years into that process, yes, years, were what it took to deal with the layers of my trauma, my abuse, the complex PTSD that I lived with as a result of those things caused a mental and emotional distress inside of myself. There were times, I can assure you, I wanted to die. 
Absolutely. But I never had a suicide plan. But I can tell you, as a pastor's daughter, as a Bible school graduate, as a ministry leader, that wasn't something that I told very many people because I thought there would be a stigma. You will now judge me, label me, and you won't understand and I'll be worse off. I did entrust that story and my reality to a few close friends and family members, but I'm telling you, I have lived this. And I can promise you when I say that I hated putting time, money, and energy into weekly therapy, when all I wanted to do was spend my time, my money, my energy on anything but therapy. But as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty, And here's what I know now, that investing in counseling was my way of putting value on myself and that needed to heal. So I did that. I also look back and I now know that the costs on every level were necessary to my healing, including the financial one. I now look back and can say for sure that I know I had to feel in order to heal. I love that quote. I wanted to bypass all the feeling hard work. I wanted I wanted to skip that, but I couldn't. I had to go back into the memories and feel and expose the lies that were embedded in those wounds in order to heal. I now look back and can assure you that I know that the only way out is through. I also look back now and know that I am a survivor and not a victim. So if you today are struggling to believe that there is a way out or through to the other side of suicidal urges or thoughts, I am living proof there is hope on the other end. Don't give up. The other hope-filled reality that I want to talk about today is the fact that science confirms that brains can heal. Like I said, I'm living proof of that fact. But beyond that, I'm going to insert a little commentary here that I believe now is important to say, which is that God has wired us as bio, psycho, social, spiritual human beings, which simply means we're multifaceted. And I'll be honest when I say that when I first went to grad school to get a degree in psychology, I went here to Lewis and Clark in Portland. And then I went on to get my doctorate at Walden University, both what we would call secular schools, right? My, my bachelor's degree is in biblical education from Multnomah, but this was my, right, my graduate school education. I was so afraid that I would get all the garbage of the world out there because I'm like, it's not biblical. You know what? I began to discover, and I still believe that the field of psychology is based in biblical truth. Because I loved learning about the psyche and our mind and cognition and brain functioning and emotions and human relationships and development and attachment and on it went. It wasn't counter to biblical truth for the most part. And it was so fun to learn about how God has made us as human beings, multifaceted. So as we approach this topic today of suicide, I believe it's important to look at all of who we are as human beings. Yes, there are spiritual components, but we need to look at the brain and emotions and how we are wired as human beings. So back to this truth I was stating, which is that brains can heal. There's two concepts that I want to mention today, just in brief, but you can Google them and look at more on this, which first one is the concept of neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. I know, psychobabble, right? Scientific words, but they essentially say that our brains can be rewired because new neurons are birthed 
daily, continually. It's the only organ that continues to create new cells. And what that means that is that we can reshape how we think, how we remember, and how we behave. I mean, I remember learning about these concepts back in grad school, but as I've continued over 20 years to work as a counselor with clients, I've seen the power not only in their lives, but in my own of that fact. Number two, if you want to look more at how our brains can heal, just Google the term post-traumatic growth. Yep, you've heard of PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was only about a decade, maybe 15 years ago, that I learned about this concept of post-traumatic growth. And here is my layman's way, which is what I love. I don't like the all heady stuff. I love the, can you just say it down to earth in that way? Here's my way of explaining that, is that post-traumatic growth is saying, I would not be who I am and where I am had I not lived through and been through what I've been through. I know that's a lot of words being repeated, but that's how I look at it. It's, it's saying, I would not be who I am and where I am had I not been through what I've been through. So it's not saying, I am who I am and where I am in spite of what I've been through. It's saying, I needed to go through those things in order to be who I am, have the ministry I have now, have the calling I have. Does that make sense? So post-traumatic growth truly is something I lean into and I love teaching about. But now let me tell you a little bit more about my healing journey. Now on this side of it, I can tell you that I look back and I know I lived with torment in my mind, in my emotions, but it's no longer there. For real. You could ask people that know me. They would say, yep, we remember her then and we know Dr. Michelle now and it's different. She's different, which I can tell you, honestly, I live with calm now inside. I have clarity now. Oh, yes, I overreact and I worry like the best of them. I mean, I'm normal and human, right? But overall, there's a settledness and a true peace inside of me that I didn't have before I had gone to the places of pain so that they could be reworked. I honestly tell you, I have freedom now to move passionately in ways that are in line with my God-given calling after years of feeling like I was just going in circles, despite my best efforts. I'm going to tell you a little bit more in a vulnerable way is that I have lived with dissociation, which means... All the trauma had been compartmentalized inside of my brain, and the truth is that that has been rewired. I now live what I call an internally associated life, where I don't have mental torment or dividedness anymore. So I'm proof there can be healing when there's this kind of intensity inside. I now live fully present to what I think and what I feel. Yes, it's hard work to get through the stuff, I'll call it, but it's worth it in the end. So dads, what do you do if you have a daughter that you suspect may be suicidal? Well, I'll tell you some truths that have guided my responses to this question. Because back when I started grad school in 95, I remember being so afraid of what would happen if a client told me he or she was suicidal. And here are some things that guide me still as a clinician 21 years later after I heard them. Number one, It's good to initiate the topic of suicide if you have even the slightest concern about someone, which will help that person know that it's safe to talk openly with you about what's going on inside. Now, I used to be afraid that if I brought up the topic of suicide, that that person would feel like I was suggesting it. My teachers told me, nope, that will not happen. And I can assure you, in over two decades of 
of being a counselor, I have not found that to be true. So you need to be the one. I need to be the one to bring it up. Number two, I've also learned that it's good to disclose that you would be devastated if that person ever took their own life, including why that would matter to you if they were gone. Again, that was something I had to learn along the way. And now I've done it many a time, sometimes with tears streaming down my cheeks, where I tell my clients, if you were to die, and I even have a family member who has struggled with suicidal thoughts and urges, and I have said that from the depths of my heart, here's what it would look like to me if you weren't here. And number three, it's good to ask whether they feel like they want to die, because I told you earlier, yes, I wanted to die, but I didn't have a suicide plan. So that's what you want to ask. Because there are two different things. Do you feel like you want to die or don't want to live? Or do you have a suicide plan? Because by asking that straightforward question, are you suicidal? You are encouraging them to be honest. And you're looking at their body language to say, okay, is this adding up? Are they... Are the words coming out of their mouth matching with what I see? Because if their head is hung down and they're barely talking and they're not coping, there may be more going on under the surface that you want to ask about. Tell me more is all you have to say. Tell me more because I want to know. I want to understand because I care. Well, there's one more important aspect to this topic that I believe merits addressing. If we read the accounts from friends and family after they've lost a loved one, Rarely, if ever, did any of them know that the situation was as dire as it was in their loved one prior to the catastrophic event. I've heard story after story and people say, I didn't know. I mean, even recently with Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, no one around them knew that only hours after they had talked with them that they were actually planning to take their life because many of them left a note behind. The pattern with all of them appears to be consistent. The pain is easy to hide, and that whole act of putting on a good face is what they're doing, but it's not their reality. This tells me that it's wisdom to know what to look for so there's greater symptom awareness to reveal if someone is sinking into despair. So here are some signs you can look for if you wonder if someone that you love, whether it's your daughter or someone else, is struggling with suicidal thoughts or urges. Now, I want you to look at these in groupings, not individually. Number one, and I'm just going to list these quickly so that you have some ideas of what to look for, withdrawal or more isolation. Because when someone feels desperate and alone, it's easy to push the people they love away because they don't have the energy or capacity to engage and talk. Number two, changes in sleeping patterns, maybe a lot more or a lot less sleep. Number three, lack of enjoyment in activities that used to bring them joy. Number four, depression. And I'm talking about when it's lasted for a period of time. I mean, a lot of us girls say, I'm so depressed or I've been depressed this week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about lingering, lasting depression. Number five, feelings of hopelessness. You want to listen for anything that sounds like they're giving up or saying that life isn't worth living anymore. Number six, self-injurious behaviors. Now, In and of themselves, they're not always a cry for help, but when they're paired with other symptoms, they're worth noting, whether cutting, reckless sexual activity, excessive spending, anything where caution is thrown to the wind. Number seven, 
You want to look for increases in substance use or addictive behaviors. This could be drugs, alcohol, gaming, like video gaming, eating disorders, on the list goes. Anything that's used to numb pain, particularly if other coping strategies aren't working well, or maybe they haven't learned to use them yet. Another one, number eight, canceling appointments or not keeping commitments, because this could be a sign of disconnection from people or from causes that used to have value. Number nine, a lack of motivation, particularly in areas that once brought a sense of purpose and meaning. And the last one, number 10, if friends or public figures have recently committed suicide, because when someone is battling with suicidal thoughts, there's power and suggestion when there was, quote, a successful end to someone's pain. Okay, take a deep breath. I know this is heavy. We got a little bit more to go because dads, I want to end with you having some practical ways that you can put one of these things into your go step plan of action this week. If you have a daughter that is struggling with suicidal thoughts or urges so that you know how to put your love into action. Because believe me when I say that talking with her about what she's feeling and fearing will go a long way to helping her release questions and emotions inside herself while being able to gain perspective from you in the process. So if you want to initiate a conversation with your daughter about the topic of suicide, here are some suggestions to get you started. One, let her listen to this podcast. Go back to my to my blog. It's on drmichellewatson.com and you can print out where I've written all this out and that can help open the conversation. Number two, gently yet boldly ask, are you suicidal? Or you could even ask, have you ever been suicidal? Because like I told you earlier, if she's not struggling in this area, you don't have to worry about it. It'll just be water off a duck's back. But if she has a strong negative reaction, it could suggest that she's hiding something from you and maybe even from herself. So I would strongly encourage you to ask that question, even if you think your daughter isn't dealing with this kind of thing. A third idea is together watch Anderson Cooper's CNN Town Hall on Suicide. It aired on June 24, 2018. It's titled Finding Hope, Battling America's Suicide Crisis. They also have a subtitle as I watched it. It's so good. Hiding in Plain Sight. And that's often what this is like for people is we see people, but we don't know they're hurting inside. So that could be another idea, dad, where you could listen to that together with your daughter to open up a conversation. Number four, let her know your story. If you or someone you know has ever struggled with being suicidal or had suicidal thoughts, though you may think you're protecting her by not sharing your past. The reality is that you are modeling that pain can be worked through and there's life on the other side. Let her know what you did to cope and what you wish you'd done differently. I assure you that your story will give her hope and she'll entrust you with more of her story because she'll trust that you won't judge her since you've been through it yourself. Number five, another way that you can navigate and open up a conversation about suicide with your daughter. Never get angry with her for disclosing that she's feeling suicidal or struggling in this area. Never let your fear or sadness be expressed as frustration or anger. Never tell her she's being stupid or foolish to want to end her life. Only show compassion and empathy. Listen hard and listen well. Number six, here's another idea, Dad. Put your money where your heart or your treasure is. Offer to pay for her counseling. 
Tell her that you will do everything possible to help her find a good counselor. You may want to call her insurance company for her. You could ask for referrals from your friends. That's another idea to make it practical so you're doing the heavy lifting. You could offer to drive her to appointments or pay for Uber or a Lyft to transport her if she's unable to drive herself and you don't live in her area or can't get off work. And the last idea I want to give you is that you want to assure her that if she ever has suicidal thoughts, urges, or a plan that you want her to call you 24-7, let her know you will find a way to connect her with the resources she needs and you will get help for her at any time, day or night, when she's feeling intensely hopeless or all alone or suicidal. Say, Daddy's got your back. I want you to call me. Okay, I know that was a lot to take in, Dads. You may have to listen to this a second time, but I just want to close with one of my favorite acronyms for HOPE, H-O-P-E, Hold On, Pain Ends. Don't you love that? That might be something to tell your daughter. Oh, wait. Okay, I do have one more thing to add. I know. Welcome to Venus. One more thought. And that is that the truest truth I can leave you with is this. Jesus and Abba Father God will hold on to your daughter when you can't hold on to her yourself, especially when you get that dreaded call that she's struggling or hurting herself and you have to step in because Jesus and Abba Father God promise to take the pain away and the sadness away bit by bit, exchanging beauty for ashes. And that ultimately is how pain ends. Well, On Your Mark today has been how to talk with your daughter about suicide. I know it's been heavy. I trust that one of the practical ideas I've given you today will be your go step to put your love for your daughters into action this week. You can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisper.com or go to my website, drmichellewatson.com, where I have free resources for you there and a link to my book. You can always subscribe to the Dad Whisper podcast on iTunes or go to my website where you can listen back to any of my shows. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you dads to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently pursue your daughter's heart. Go dads.